knew what it was to be a friend to the man of God, to try to be a support and a help to him in any way he could, even when he knew that he had lost the kingdom. And I'm impressed with the character of Jonathan in Scripture. Uh, Another great uh, man that I look to, we're going to look at tonight, in the book of Judges, chapter number 6, the man by the name of Gideon. Again, I'm encouraged by the story of Gideon because, again, Gideon was just a, a, a small man in a small uh, town and a small tribe uh, of a small family. Nothing significant or extravagant about him. There was nothing peculiar or extraordinary about him. He was just a normal guy. And God chose to use Gideon in a mighty way. And we're going to take a few moments to look at some things there. Uh, let's begin looking in Judges chapter number 6. And uh, we'll begin in verse number 1. We'll read a lot of scripture tonight, but the message will be brief. I promise that. And if it's not brief, then it'll be long, okay? But one or the other. I'll promise you it'll either be brief or long, but it'll be one of those. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of, of Midian seven years And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them dens, which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them, and they encamped against them, and destroyed the increase of the earth till they they came uh, come unto Gaza and left no substance, substance, for the children for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass, for they came up with their cattle and their tents and their grass uh, and came as grasshoppers for uh, multitude, for both they and their camels were without number and entered into the land to destroy it. And that was their purpose to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I deliver you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. One of the sad verses of this passage. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in uh, Ophrah and pertained unto Joash and uh, the uh, Abizrite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might. And thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, have not I sent thee. Father, we come to you tonight, and we pray that you'll bless the message, and Lord, use it to encourage us and strengthen us in these last days. Lord, the world around us certainly has grown very cold and corrupt and callous towards your uh, word and towards you. 
And Lord, we live in a very dark world, but Lord, it's nothing that is new. There have always been challenges for your children and your people to live through. There have always been times that we've had to draw close to you. And Father, there have always been times that we've had to rely upon you for the work that needed to be done. And so, Father, we pray that you'll bless the message and, Lord, speak to our hearts and encourage us through the truth that we find in your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to notice as we begin uh, in verse number 11, now understand the situation that has taken place here. For seven years, the children of Israel have been besieged, if you will, and overrun by the Midianites and the Amalekites, the folks from the east. They've come and they've overrun the country... (coughs) <clears throat> the country, and the Bible says, for no other reason than to destroy the country. And the nation of Israel was impoverished because of it. They were in a, a state of famine. They had no means to uh, sustain their families. As a result, many of them ran to the mountains into the caves, and they would uh, try to hide their wheat and their fields where they were raising food for their family. We come across a man in verse number 11, uh, Joash, who's the father of this man named Gideon. And Gideon uh, is out, the Bible says in verse number uh, 11, that Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. So they were hiding their, uh, their harvest, uh, trying to make the best that they could. And I want you to notice that the Bible says, The angel of the Lord appeared unto him, speaking of Gideon, and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And I want to just... Uh, hold that verse, and I want you to keep it in the back of your mind for a few moments tonight, uh, and then we're going to move on. But I want to say this at the onset. Uh, God looks at Gideon and calls him a mighty man of valor because God knows what he's getting ready to have Gideon do. At this point, Gideon is just a farmer. At this point, Gideon is just being obedient to his own father and threshing the wheat in the wine, behind the wine press and trying to make the best he can to make ends meet for his family. There's nothing extraordinary about him, and yet God refers to him as a mighty man of valor. Keep that in the back of your mind, and we'll get to it again at the end of the message, Lord willing, if we get time to deal with that. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? I ask you this question tonight. Have you ever been there? You ever been to the point where you looked and you said, Lord, if I'm your child, if you've promised never to leave me or to forsake me, then Lord, why has all this befallen me? You ever been there? If you haven't, you ever know anybody that's been there? There are times, aren't there? There are times. Sometimes God brings us to that point for no other reason than to show himself strong and to help build our faith. There are times that we're there because of our own accord. Such was the case with the nation of Israel. They were there because of what they had done. We find as we looked in verse number 9, the Bible says, uh, verse number uh, yeah, verse number 9, And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave them your land. And God was telling them and saying, Listen, nation of Israel, by this prophet that had spoken to them, I've done all this for you. I delivered you from Egypt. I brought you through the wilderness. I had you cross the Red Sea. I had you cross the Jordan River. I defeated all of your foes. I drove the Philistines out of the land from before you miraculously. Remember the stories of Jericho and Ai and all of the miracles that God performed in driving out the Philistines? 
from before them. And verse number 10, he says, And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. He said, The only thing that I've asked of you in all of this is that you let me be your Lord and your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. You look at this thing and you say, why were they in this predicament? The truth was they had not obeyed the voice of God. There are times in my life and in your life that we don't obey the voice of God. And God has to bring chastening into our life, doesn't He? There are times He brings us low. There are times, perhaps, that we're not. We are being obedient to Him, but He brings us to a point of despair, reliance, if you will, upon Him. For no other reason than to strengthen our faith. But whatever the case was, I want you to notice what Gideon asks here. He says in verse number 13, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of Midians, the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go, in this thy might, thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? He tells Gideon, he says, listen, don't sit there and languish, saying, Lord, why have you put us here? He said, I'm here to deliver you, and I want you to rise up. He's already referred to him as a mighty man of valor. Now, if you'll remember the story, we're not going to take time to read all of the, uh, all of the uh, uh, rest of the chapter because it goes through a lot of uh, Gideon questioning God. Uh, but we all remember the story, don't we? How Gideon was kind of a little bit nervous about this. I mean... Who was he? He was just a farmer. He was going to lead a nation against the armies of two other nations. And he questioned God about his wisdom. And he laid a fleece out. Remember the sheep, the fleece of the sheep? And said, I want you to uh, work a miracle, Lord. And uh, when I wake up in the morning, I want the fleece to be wet and the ground all around it to be dry. And God did that. And he said, well, that's easy to do. He said, uh, tomorrow I want the whole ground to be wet. And the fleece to be dry. And so God did that. And he tested him two or three or four times. And finally Gideon said, okay, Lord, I understand. So Gideon calls all of the men of Israel together, finally convinced that God's going to use him. And the Bible says, and we get to verse number 30, uh, let's go back to verse number 28. And when, uh, let me back up just a little bit, verse number, 20, uh, verse number 25. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, speaking of Gideon, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. Boy, talk about brave. Take something that your dad cherishes and destroy it overnight. But Gideon goes and he tears down the altar of Baal that his dad had and the grove that was there for it. And the Bible says in verse 26, And build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. Do we notice that? What was the reason that Israel was in the place that they were at? They obeyed not the voice of the Lord. Is that what it was? Now follow me on this. They were in the position they were in because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. And the voice of the Lord comes to Gideon says, Gideon, there's some idols and there's some things in your life 
and the things in the life of your uh, countrymen, and these things ought not be. And he said, I want you to go, and I want you to tear them down and get rid of them. And the Bible says that Gideon took ten men, and in verse number 27 it says, And did as the Lord had said unto him. What do you think is the reason that God is getting ready to use Gideon? Is it because of his great ability? Is it because he's some man of renown that the, the nation of Israel looks up to? Is it because he had great means and great wealth and had the resources to do it? No. Why is God getting ready to use Gideon here? Because he listened to God. He was obedient to God. And can I tell you this? That ought to bring joy to our hearts. I'll tell you this. It brings joy to my heart. Because here's a man who does not have anything extraordinary about him that God's getting ready to use and God even refers to him as a mighty man of valor for no other reason than he obeyed the voice of the Lord. We can do that, can't we? We may not have all the talents. We may not have all of the things that many people have as far as skills and abilities and resources. But one thing every single one of us here tonight can do, we can obey the voice of the Lord. Amen? We can do that. And so Gideon obeys the voice of the Lord, verse 27. And by the way, it does take a little bit of courage to do this. Because we do it many times in such a way that many people will mock us and give us a difficult time about doing it. And so it was because he feared his father's household and the men of the city that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, and behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, the grove was cut down, uh, that was by it, and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who hath done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon the son of Joash hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son that he may die. Because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him put, be put to death whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself. Because one hath cast down his altar. He said, Y'all don't need to stand up for Baal. If Baal's a god, let him do it himself. Can I tell you this? That mark it down when you obey the word of the Lord, persecution will come. It will come. People do not like to see people obeying the word of God. In this world, the devil doesn't like it for sure, does he? Boy, he can't stand it when people obey the word of God. Therefore, on the day he called in Zerubbabel, saying, Let Baal plead against him because he had thrown down his altar. Then all the Midianites and the Malachites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. And he blew a trumpet. And Abizar was gathered after him. Now this is an interesting thing to me. The Bible says that Gideon obeyed the word of the Lord. And in verse number 34 we find that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Let me ask you a question tonight. Do you think that the two things are related? Do you believe tonight that the Spirit of the Lord comes on people that disobey Him? 
No. But certainly that comes upon the people that obey the word of the Lord, doesn't it? God told Gideon to do something, and he said, yes, sir. He was a little scared like you and I would be. He went at night and did it, but he did it. And the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Now I want you to notice in verse number 36, And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece. And we've read or talked about this already. And so God, God has Gideon gather all the people, chapter number 7, verse number 1. Then Zerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me. Notice he didn't say they're too many for you. He said they're too many for me. Whose battle is this getting ready to be? This is the Lord's battle, not Gideon's. Now notice this, to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. He wanted something to be done here in such a way that when they were done with it, the only thing they could say was God did it. Kind of like a grandson that got healed here recently. The only thing you can say is God did it. It wasn't a bunch of people that did it. God did it. Now therefore go proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, uh, let him return and depart early from the Mount Gilead. And they returned the people, 22,000. 22,000 of them left and went home, and 10,000 stayed. And by the way, I've heard messages preached on this. Would you be one of the 22,000, or would you be one of the 300? That's not the message tonight, but it's an interesting thought sometimes. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whom I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down the people unto the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that bloweth upon uh, boweth down, excuse me, upon his knees to drink, and the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lapped, will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand. Let all the other people go, every man, unto his place. Now, I don't know about you and your faith. But I'm going to tell you right now, if I was Gideon, I don't know that my faith is strong enough. We read this and we sit through the story because we know how it ends. We've already heard the end of it. But this is something extraordinary. God comes to a farmer who has no battle training. He's not a soldier. Nothing extraordinary about him. No great leadership ability. He simply obeyed the word of the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he goes and he gets ready to battle and he's probably feeling a little uneasy because he's not done this before. But hey, I've got 32,000 men. Surely with 32,000 men we can defeat the Midianites and the Amalekites. And God said, no, Gideon, that's too many. Send 22,000 of them home. Okay, God, 
And we find once again Gideon obeying the word of the Lord. He's left with 10,000 men and God says once again, that's too many. And even though in I know in his heart there must have been some fear and some anxiety in this, notice that again Gideon obeys the word of the Lord. Do we see kind of a general theme tying this story together? God calls him a mighty man of valor because he delivered the entire nation of Israel with 300 men. Not because he was extraordinary, but because he obeyed the word of the Lord. And so these 300 men come, and the Bible says, The Lord said unto Gideon, By 300 men that laughed will I save and deliver the Midianites into thine hand. And let all the other people go, every man unto his place. So the people took victuals in their hand and turned in the trumpets. And he sent all the rest of Israel, every man, unto his tent. And retained those 300 men. The host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. Now the real story begins. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thy hand. But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Purah uh, uh, thy servant down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say. And afterwards shall thine hands be strengthened to go down into the host. So he goes down, to make this long story short, verse number 13, And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow, and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian, and came unto a tent, and smote it that it fell, and overturned it, and that tent lay along. Uh, lay along. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the hosts. This was a Midianite that was saying that. A Midianite that said, Gideon's getting ready to come and drive us out of here. God's hand is upon him. Notice in verse 14 the way he words this. This is none else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand hath What's the next word here? God delivered Midian and all the hosts. Nothing extraordinary about Gideon, is there? It's kind of encouraging, isn't it? He simply obeyed the word of the Lord. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped and returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. He divided the 300 men into three companies and put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come <coughs> to the outside of the camp, it shall be that, I, that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also. And every side of the camp, they, and on every side of all the camp, and said the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, so Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break their pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all. And, and, uh, and they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the host ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the hosts. And the host fled to Beth 
Shittah and uh, Jerath and to the border of Abel Mahala uh, unto Tabith. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali and out of Asher and out of Manasseh and pursued after the Midians. I want you to notice tonight, and I brought some things to try to illustrate. This is certainly not the kind of thing they would have. They would have had a ram's horn and they would have had an earthen pitcher and they would have had a torch, but I didn't have those things. So we have a, a brass trumpet tonight that doesn't work. And, uh, but we have a, a pitcher that's not made out of clay, it's made out of Tupperware. And uh, we have a flashlight because I didn't have a torch. But I want you to notice some things that, that, uh, that uh, uh, Gideon, by instruction from the Lord and by leading of the Lord, told his men to do. And I want you to watch this very carefully because, to me, this is a beautiful picture. Gideon takes his men and he hands them a trumpet. They all have a trumpet and they all take a pitcher, this earthen vessel, and they have a torch and they put their torch up inside of this vessel. And at the time that Gideon does this, this thing here, he tells his men, he says, when I do this, I want you to do the same thing. They blow on the trumpet and they break the vessel. And when they break the vessel, all of a sudden the lights begin to shine. I want you to notice that when Midian sees and hears all of the commotion, they hear the trumpet sounding and they hear the earthen vessels breaking and they see the lights begin to shine. They look around with confusion and believe that they are surrounded by many, many commanders of multitudes of hosts. And there's confusion in the camp and the Midianites literally defeat themselves by the power of God. You say, how did all of that come about with just simple things in their hands? I want to bring out some things tonight and then we'll be done very quickly here. But I want you to notice that there were several things in obedience to the word of the Lord that these men did that brought victory. Number one, they blew the trumpet. They blew the trumpet. And I want to just mention a couple of things tonight. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that as Christians, as God's people, those that name the name of Christ ought to lift up their voice like a trumpet. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, the Bible says. We live in a day and age where I believe that we have a lot of what the Bible or what some people refer to as secret service Christians. They try to blend into the background. They try not to be noticed. And the truth of the Lord, the Bible, or truth of the, the, the matter is, the Bible teaches that, that we have been given a responsibility of being watchmen on the wall. And if the watchman that's on the wall gives an uncertain sound on the trumpet, then the, the folks that are in the village will be lost to the battle. We are responsible to take the trumpet of the Word of God and to proclaim it loud and clear. There ought not to be any discrepancy in it. There ought not to be any, any compromise in it. But it simply ought to be us raising the trumpet of the Lord and saying, The sword of the Lord tonight. We ought to be taking the Word of God and proclaiming it and raising our voice like a trumpet around this world. God, God gave some things to the hands of these men to bring victory of the Midianites and the Amalekites. He gave them all a light. Gave them a torch. And can I tell you this tonight? You and I have been given the light, have we not? The Bible says, ye are the light of the world. And we speak of the light that Christ uh, spoke of there on the Sermon of the Mount. And realize that the light that you and I have is nothing more than the light of the glory of God in us. We've been given a light to shine in a lost and a dying world. And can I tell you this tonight, that our light is contained inside of an earthen vessel, is it not? You and I have a light. But it's inside of an imperfect and a frail and a sinful sinner, isn't it? 
And that sinfulness, that humanity that we have, hides the light of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Brother Greg, how can the light go out? How can it be able to be shining on those that are in darkness? There's one way. The vessel has to be broken. And they take their pitchers and they break and the lights begin to shine. Can I tell you this tonight? We've been given a great message and a great voice. We've been given a wonderful light and they're contained in earthen vessels. And I'll tell you, we're imperfect. And our imperfection and our sin so often hides the light of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we go into battle and the vessels are intact and the lights are hidden and there's no victory. It's not until the vessels are broken till we get to the place where we say, Lord, not my will, but thy will. The vessel breaks and the light shines through and the victory is won. I love the story of Gideon. Even though this is a real story that literally happened this way, God in His perfection used so many things of the Old Testament to help visualize and illustrate New Testament principles. When we come to the story of Gideon, there's no mistake as to why God had them take a trumpet and a pitcher and a torch. He's trying to teach them something. He's trying to show them some things. Things that you and I can look back on now and say, oh, but my vessel would be broken. So that Christ can shine through. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could say. He must increase. But I must decrease. Folks we live in a dark world. We live in a world to be honest with you. Has been besieged. Souls of men that are starving. They're impoverished. They're in need of deliverance. There are several things that need to happen. We need to take the idols out of our lives. You say, Brother Greg, I don't have any idols. We all do. We all have some form of an idol somewhere. That thing that becomes more important to us than the things of God becomes the idol to us. We need to tear down some groves. We need to obey the word of the Lord. And we need to have a broken vessel. And we ought to blow upon the trumpet. And hold the lights high. And say the sword of the Lord. The sword of the Lord. And let this lost and dying world. See the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's freed from the broken vessel. I think so many times we like to keep our vessels intact. We like to, for whatever reason, pridefully say, I live a good life. I can share the gospel. I can tell people in my own logic, in my own 
mindset. No. That's not the answer, folks. In the last few months, we've preached a lot on sharing the gospel. We're doing it because I believe very strongly we're living in the last days and we have very little time. I've had a number of folks that have come to me and said, Pastor, how do I... How do I approach this person or that person? How do I do this? How do I do that? Numbers of you have. And almost as if we're thinking there's some formula, there's some pattern. Can I tell you this? There needs to be a brokenness of our will. There was a lady years ago during the time when Dr. Lee Robertson was preaching and asked if he would pray for her lost husband. And he said, ma'am, I'll be glad to pray for him. But he said, let me ask you a question first. He said, have you ever missed a meal because you were so burdened for him that you spent your time on your knees praying for him to be saved? And she said, well, no, I've never done that. He said, ma'am, he said, before we pray, he said, have you, ever, have you ever stayed up all night praying for his soul? Because you were so burdened for his soul. She said, no, sir, I've never done that. He said, then ma'am, we'll pray for him. But she said, he said, really, if you don't care any more for his soul than that, he said, I don't know that God will be concerned to deal with him. I don't know how much truth there is in that biblically. But a point was taken. There are so many that long to see God do something and to see people saved. And we try all types of methods, formulas. Can I tell you that sometimes all that's needed for God's light to be shown to them is a broken vessel. A vessel that comes to Christ and says, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. There was a song broken and spilled out that was written years ago that spoke of the woman who had the alabaster box. The fragrance filled all the room, but it took a broken vessel. It took a broken vessel. And I wonder sometimes if we're so concerned about our lives being ours that we're not broken enough. We don't weep anymore. We don't come to God and say, Lord, I've, I've got to have your Holy Spirit's power. I've got to have his presence in my life. Or I can't, I can't go on. Lord, I want to see people saved. I, I, these folks that I'm burdened for, I want to see them saved. Lord, I'm broken for them. My heart is broken. I wonder sometimes, are we broken? Have we gotten to that point where our spirit yearns for God to do something? Gideon's an amazing fellow. God used him in a mighty way. And I want you to notice we talked at the very beginning of the message. God called him a mighty man of valor. And it wasn't because of the greatness of Gideon. 
But it was because of the greatness of Gideon's faithfulness. His willingness to be obedient to the voice of the Lord. To be broken, to be yielded to Him. They say, Lord, whatever it is that you ask of me, my answer is yes. I wonder if we've gotten to that point. If God came to you tonight and asked you anything, would you be willing to say yes? If God asked you to share the gospel with that neighbor or that friend, would you say yes? If God asked you to pass out tracts wherever you go, would you say yes? If God called you to preach, would you say yes? If God called you to a mission field, would you say yes? Until we're willing to, we're not broken. We're not broken. We want to let the light of Christ shine through us. God may choose never to call us into any of those things. But He wants us to be willing. He wants us to say, Lord, whatever it is that you have for me, I'll do it. And maybe one day God will look at us and say, that's a mighty man or a mighty woman of valor. Not because they're extraordinary, but because they were obedient to the word of the Lord. Let's stand together with heads bowed. Father, we're thankful for your word. Bless the time that we spend here together tonight. I pray that this is a simple truth, but a very powerful truth. Lord, that we would be busy being obedient to you. That we would proclaim the gospel and blow that gospel trumpet everywhere we go. That we would have a broken vessel. And that we would be able to shine the light that you've given to each and every one of us to this lost and dying world, this dark world. Lord, I pray that you'd help to search our hearts. Lord, see if there's some areas in our lives that need to be drawn closer to you, that we can be used more by the leading of your Holy Spirit to do your work, to bring victory in this dark world. We pray that you'll bless time of invitation tonight. Lord, if you've spoken to hearts, I pray that you would help them make that point of decision to be yielded to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I don't know if God has dealt with anyone's heart tonight, but if he has, perhaps you would need to come to an altar and make some decision for him. We'll have just a verse or two of invitation. And if God has spoken to your heart, if you need someone to pray with, we'll be glad to pray with you. And if not, would you be praying for those that perhaps he has spoken to? As our pianist and organist play, would you come tonight?
Father, we pray that you'll bless the message tonight and the truth of it. Lord, I don't know who or if anybody needed to hear what we've said this evening, but Lord, it does encourage my heart to know that, Lord, it doesn't take anyone special to do your work. I'm thankful for that tonight, that you can use even me. And Lord, that if we would just simply obey your voice, it's not because of anything extraordinary that we are or that we can do. But Lord, if we will obey your voice, you can do extraordinary things through us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight as we leave this place to consider the words and the thoughts. That Lord, the vessel would be broken. The trumpet would be blown and the light would be sent forth. Father, that we would see many, many folks come to know you as Savior as the result of the ministry of those that are in this church, those that share the gospel. And Father, we do pray for your Holy Spirit's leading and your power upon our lives. I pray that you would bring across our paths this week those that you would want us to speak to and talk to. And then, Father, that your Holy Spirit will guide us, give us the words to say, Father, that you would work on the hearts of those that we have opportunity to share the gospel with. That we can come next week rejoicing in what you've done and the souls that have been saved, perhaps. Certainly souls that have heard the gospel. Lord, I pray that you'll use us this week to do your work. Lord, may we be victorious in the Christian life through the brokenness of our own vessels. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.